Money FM 89.3. Best of drive time. Culture Club. Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon. It is drive time with Elliot Danka, Timothy Go, and Chuanti and Tian Time now for Culture Club. Culture Club. That's right. I like that new uh, theme there. Anyway, even amid the COVID 19 pandemic, Singapore's Economic Development Board. Says it managed to secure 17 billion dollars, sing dollars that is, in foreign investments. Yeah, emerging tech giants such as uh, China's Tencent, Alibaba, ByteDance, they've set up regional offices here to reach the fast-growing Southeast Asian region. And of course, Singapore's location at the heart of the fast-growing Asia、uh, Asia Pacific region is well-developed infrastructure. Also, made it a regional tech powerhouse here. I wonder if you've ever heard this term. You know, Singapore being hailed as the Silicon Valley of Asia. It is a prestigious country with、yeah. a prestigious address.、Yeah. Anything, any HQ you put in Singapore gives it a credibility that、yeah. you probably will not、uh, have as much in any other part of the region.、Mm. Helps that KPMG、uh, recently had a global ranking of leading tech innovation hubs outside San Francisco, and that's where Singapore was hailed、mm-hmm. as、uh, Silicon Valley of Asia. How about that? Yeah, that's good. And according to、uh, the consulting firm, Singapore offers advanced IT infrastructure, strong government support, and IP. Protection laws, and of course, a deep pool of talent.、Mm. Although, I mean, right now, when you look at how competition is heating up, you know, everyone wants to be some kind of a tech hub. When you look at Singapore, will it be different amongst the different tech giants? Will they? I mean, when you consider that borders are reopening, would they consider going elsewhere, back to Hong Kong? Maybe I don't know.、Uh, Online right now, we've got Gregory Francis, the CEO of Access Partnership.、Uh, good afternoon, Gregory. How are you? I'm well in yourselves. Very good, sir. Thanks for helping us out with this. Let's first of all give us your take on the perception Singapore has on various tech giants. Oh, it's hard to know what the full perception is, but let's ask ourselves what's really happening. Especially if、uh, there's something structural amiss with the companies that we're all preoccupied with, right? Just to counter through a few of them. You know, we know Twitter has its own reasons for shedding staff, and that, those are connected to a change of ownership. Famously, Apple's issue was largely supply-driven. Often, crypto platforms are. Really connected to lack of governance at FTX is Meta is adjusting its focus. Yeah, but in spite of that, it's had a pretty happy start to the year, which also implies that advertising demand is not dropping. So,、uh, you add to the fact that many big tech firms are two thirds bigger than they were at the start of 2000. You know, when you hire that quickly, it's natural in the order of things that you might lose five percent.、Mm-hmm. Some of them sometime later. You know, people just in the wrong jobs and so on. So, there's nothing in the industry word of mouth for the earnings reports to. I know significant structural problems, and if there is a reach for efficiencies, you know that's pretty much what investors want to hear. From our company's perspective, when we work with these guys you know, on a daily basis,、uh, we do not see a reduction to investment、uh, or innovation. So、uh, I frankly think that the whole tech winter idea should really be rebranded as kind of a tech cloudburst,、uh, monsoon season, <laughs> you know, and expect that that will clear up. You know, I don't mean to unintentionally offend our friends at AWS in respect of cloud issues. Just as a final thought, I would say that you know, in gaming, there there may be an exception to what we're saying here because、uh, those companies can be more exposed to short-term variations in consumer spending. But otherwise, let's call it a a squalor or a cloudburst, not a winter. Okay, Gregory. Do you still see Singapore as a destination for tech companies to come and set up their HQs? I do. I think that there is more ambition required from governments overall, and that's true of、uh, the Singapore government as well. You know what the, the 
Singaporean authorities are famous for are putting the resource behind what is needed in order to make a decision, right? Mm-hmm. So if they don't have the, uh, the talent in respect of, say, AI or cloud, they, they hire it and they take decisions uh, based on best, best advice and, and the expertise that uh, is available in the market at the time. So to that extent, they can move faster than anyone else. For strategic reasons, this country has always been a little bit apprehensive to move too quickly in some domains faster than, say, their immediate neighbors. And to that extent, I think in respect of some of the big news that we're hearing this week, AI, for example, you know, we've got a lot of announcements about that, not just from Microsoft, but you know, pending now from Google, and we know that Meta's been using it for the last nine months, uh, generative AI on, on almost all of their products. Singapore is really going to have to take the bull by the horns and move a little bit faster than the rest of ASEAN uh, so that it can take advantage of generative AI mm. uh, and so that it can see the economic uplift that comes as a consequence. You can't afford to wait and bring others with you on this one. Gregory, how do we move faster uh, in light of AI and a lot of news about ChatGBT uh, going around? In fact, this week we had our Education Minister Chan Chin Singh saying that ChatGPT should be can only be useful in a classroom when the students have mastered basics. Fair point there, but okay, so how do I move forward? How, how do I live with ChatGPT? It's a great question. It's kind of like asking if, if you know, chocolate is not good or bad. We have to make sure that it's not good. ChatGPT is now the, the fastest growing consumer application in history. It has to be accompanied by some metaphorical guardrails around it. Now that we know that the market is starting to use this kind of AI pretty quickly, I mean, we'll see that it's happening already for, for applications where, you know, a B or sort of B plus level of accuracy or relevance is, is enough. You know, we, we see it happening pretty quickly. But even if we even if we're not being used already, we know that Microsoft and Google and Meta, these are not companies that move slowly. So what does that mean? It means that the market needs to optimize the AI's uses every day as it improves. What do governments need to do? You know, they need to try something different from what they usually do, meaning they need to, to leave behind their usual lethargy. They move fast to create a flexible policy, uh, you know, regulatory or legal framework within which AI can be used or, or outsource the task to people who will do it for them, which means you know, outsourcing it to corporations that are using AI. And that would mean to some extent putting a fox in charge of the hen house. But honestly, this is not an instance in which the purveyor of AI will want to play games. I believe we can trust these reasonably principled companies to put guardrails in place because honestly, the legal and reputational risk of not doing so for them would be way too high. I'll, I'll point this out. Governments are not entirely powerless here either. Yeah. You know, I'm talking about what Singapore you know, could do. If the legislature of the state of New York, with all its chicanery and cronyism and, and the screwy workings in that state in the United States can pass a law, flawed as it is, about the use of AI or algorithmic technologies in, in matters of recruitment, then national governments, you know, grown-up governments like Singapore can get their act together with a little help from big corporates. And, you know, we'll be here, here to help them, and I'm confident we can get that done. We are, uh, Gregory, in, in a stage where innovation and changes to the tech space is becoming faster and faster as we move along. Will the use of AI everything move this even faster and would it be harder for well governments and everyone else to 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 change fast enough to to cope and put all the safeguards that you were talking about earlier they have never found it easy i'm talking of, of government they've never been able to move at the pace of technology we have two major announcements in the last month about major shifts in ai and you know quantum computing and mm-hmm. 
robotics and the metaverse to follow. Um, it's, it's not even a question of expertise or uh, speed. It's just resource. I mean, there, there are very few governments that can afford to assess these technologies as they come into the market and you know, do a, a credible job of being able to say, this is how we want to regulate these techs because you know, we, we've looked at the use cases and we've given it the benefit of our analysis and this is what we think is best. Nobody can do that. I'm resident in the UK when I'm not in Singapore. And just to give you one example, the, the online, the child online, well, the online harms bill, as it's called in the UK, yeah. has been dealing with child protection issues. That bill has been a bill for five years. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in a, in a fairly developed economy where, you know, these issues are very much to the fore and, you know, there are a lot of corporate and, and governmental resources being put into how to optimize the use of social media. Still, it takes five years even to get child online protection into the, the general discourse. So that gives you an idea as to how other governments uh, are being faced with the challenge. Mm, yeah, I'm with you on that one. I mean, if everything could work out a lot faster, then we wouldn't be seeing the volatility that we see even in something as simple as cryptocurrency, uh, which all kind of needs to work together at the same time. So you were saying it's an issue of commitment over speed. Issue of commitment over speed. I, I think the commitment's there. I think the question is how do you achieve speed? And Why? Traditionally, we've not seen governments move as fast as, as corporates. So what governments can do is say to corporates, we will take your lead, okay. you know, but you need, to, you need to provide the handbook with this technology, and we're going to adjust it as time passes. But today, you know, a week after you release the technology, we're not going to be able to regulate it in a way that protects the citizens uh, right. adequately. So we have to admit that we're relying on you and you know, put your best foot forward, because if you don't, you know, we're coming for you. All right, Gregory, let's uh, talk about the metaverse and where it's at right now, what state we're in, and what are the opportunities to be had in the metaverse? Well, I think that that is a good question. There are a number of use cases that we are aware of at Access Partnership, but there is a bigger case to be made by those who are building the metaverse, plan to participate in the metaverse, and plan to benefit from the metaverse. So to answer your question directly, what we do know is that there are some immediate applications in respect of education, in respect of uh, business processes, let's say medicine or the kind of services that require expertise Mm -hmm. that isn't always in situ, that isn't always in position when you need it. So to that extent, there's a a real place for the metaverse today. The extent to which it can be used to improve societal interactions, to improve commerce, to improve the quality of discourse among citizens, there's a very strong case to be made there. I I can envision it, but I'm not here to make the the case for the metaverse. I do think that it's important that we recognize that those who are advocating for the creation of the metaverse also, to use that expression again, put their best foot forward and make it plain to people why it is they're going to benefit from it, right? That's always the challenge. That's Mm -hmm. so seldom done in time because these tech companies have a particular psychology. I don't need to explain it to you. They're cranking out these innovations after day at a pretty frenetic pace. And what they sometimes forget to understand is that not everybody sees the beauty of what they've created uh, at the time that they release it. So a little bit of interpretive overlay is required from the companies that are are producing this. And that includes use cases, and that includes leading us by the nose and saying, here's where the metaverse is going to be particularly beneficial to you. But if COVID taught us nothing, it is that being behind a screen, economies can work and grow and, and be effective but the experience isn't hugely enriching. So at a minimum, we can imagine uh, a metaversal experience being uh, slightly better than what we've got now. And that's 
at least for the moment, something to be excited about. We've been speaking with Gregory Francis, the CEO of Access Partnership. Uh, Gregory, appreciate your time this evening. Take care and have a great evening ahead, yeah? Always a pleasure. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.